You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to recap Last night's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, this is Locked on Thunder, a daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder Monday through Friday. But whenever they play on the weekends, I do give some special episodes to recap these games as well. Uh, I'm not sure how long this show will be. We're just going to run through some big things from this game. It'll be more relaxed than a typical Monday, Friday show. And so if you want to get a feel for this show in general, you can go back and listen to any shows from this past week. But on the game overview today, SGA was out. Lou Dort was out, George Hill was out, and then Tail Maldon was listed as out due to health and safety protocols. So the Thunder played with eight available players, and yet they still played such a hard-fought game. Now, on the SGA and Dort injuries, Mark Dagnott told us before the game in the media that it would be day-to-day, and it's nothing overly serious, and you saw the two, you know, having fun on the sidelines, supporting their teammates, you know, doing those Euro steps, you know, mocking the the moves that their guys made. They didn't seem too overly hurt, just as Mark said. Who knows what happens tonight? We'll see. The 1230 injury report will come out. Uh, I think that they won't list them until 430, though, because it's a back-to-back and there's some weird injury report rules there where they don't have to list them until 430. But by 430, we'll know what's going on. Mark will talk to us at 515, and so we'll be, we'll be able to relay that information to you on Twitter, and then after the game, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's good news that they're day-to-day, that they were better yesterday than they were Thursday. That's great. Hopefully, they're better today than they were yesterday, and so on and so forth. Uh, but in this game, you look at the two teams, in my opinion, and you just see the difference in culture and coaching. And we had a crossover episode on Friday with Locked On Wolves, and it had to leave you feeling better about Oklahoma City. Because of just the dysfunction and, and the and the inability to get out of their own way in Minnesota. Minnesota is trying to win basketball games. Minnesota is trying to compete. And they're the worst team in the NBA. And they have a worse record than Oklahoma City. And that stems from what you saw on Friday. On Friday, with eight available players without three of their four best players. While starting Hamadou Diallo, Kenrich Williams, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, and Al Horford. The Thunder were able to win that game if the last two possessions go differently. They were in that game to the end because they were better coached and because their players simply looked like they cared more. The Thunder players were out there playing aggressive, They were playing with passion and effort, and they were playing organized. They knew what was expected of them, and they knew what they had to do. That goes all back to coaching and culture. And it was put on full display whenever you see Hamadou Diallo being the starting point guard in the NBA 
And you see the Thunder play with eight players, most of whom were either second-round picks or undrafted or fringe NBA guys. Look, Isaiah Roby, as good as he's been this year, literally 90% of the fan base wanted him cut in December. That's how borderline he was as an NBA guy. But he comes up big. Like I said, he would if he played a more natural spot at the four position. Al Horford put this team on his back and he bought in. That's a big deal, again, as we gave him credit before, for being that veteran who wants to buy in. And he mentions the culture after the game to us. You know, whenever we're sitting there in the Zoom meetings, he says that he really loves being in Oklahoma. It's the way the culture is in the organization. They set everything up for us. I really, I really enjoy coming to practice every day. And then he also says that he enjoys the process. He says this organization makes him feel comfortable and everyone else on the team feel comfortable. So they're able to play free basketball. And that is a testament again to Mark Dagnott, Sam Presti, and everyone else in this organization. But just take a moment to reflect. I, I said the same thing on Friday whenever we're going through the Minnesota path and Oklahoma City's path. No matter what happens this year, tonight shows you the difference. Tonight shows you there's no, there is absolutely no sense to worry. Right now, there's so many people just getting this outrage and defending their side, if their side is tanking or if their side is not tanking. There's just this outrage and just this, this visceral reaction to the opposite side. Whenever we can't control what happens with this team, but the only thing that matters, the only thing that truly matters is not my opinion on what they should do. It's not your opinion on what they should do. The only thing that matters is that Sam Presti in this organization is in such a better spot, even sitting today, than 90% of the league. Than 90% of the league. You have to trust in Sam Presti in whatever way this team evolves in. Because he can make it happen. And clearly, Mark is the kind of coach that can make it happen. I think that you know you should be ecstatic after this 106-103 loss. It was a moral victory. Because with eight players, without three of your four best players, you competed with a team that wanted to win. And Minnesota has some real issues. I mean, they simply look like they don't want to be there. That should have been a game for Minnesota that they put the gas pedal all the way down to the floor and that they came out gunning and that they came out with the ability to dominate a team that had eight players and was starting Isaiah Roby, Kenrich Williams, and Hamadou Diallo. Mark Dagnut threw in three new starters to his offense and it worked to perfection. And that is absolutely attributed to Hamadou Diallo. And I do not want you to lose sight of how great Diallo was in this game. We'll talk about what happened at the end of the game later on. But every single game, the media, the fans, every single one of them, the media and the fans head into them saying, okay, this right here, this is the game in which Hamadou Diallo falls back into his old habits. This is where he just throws caution to the wind. This is where he just does too much. This is where he just jacks up shots. This is where he plays out of sorts. This is where he plays terrible. Right? 
you hear they only have eight players, you hear he's your starting point guard, and whenever you hear that, whenever you hear that there's only eight players, you everyone thought to themselves about Diallo that he was going to play terrible because he was going to try to do too much at the point guard position. Remember, he got the start on Wednesday. Same thing. And as you keep moving the parameters on him, even as you keep getting him out of his comfort zone, even as you keep getting him out of his assigned role, even as you keep changing his role day to day, Diallo continues to answer the bell of being a different player than he was a year ago, two years ago. And, and I find it extremely heartbreaking that this kind of game and this kind of performance for him will go unnoticed or or, or will be clouded by two bad possessions at the end of the game. Were they bad possessions? They were absolutely bad possessions. You know, that, that contested layup with two seconds left. Bad possession. Hesitating on, on a three, which is a really good play and a terrible one by Minnesota. You know, Mark Dagnott throws it into the, Al Horford at the elbow, and, and Minnesota for some reason collapses on Al Horford whenever the Thunder have to make a three. Then he gets it back to Diallo, who's standing a little bit too far out, and then he hesitates to shoot it and, and still you know, had a chance for it to go down, but hesitates to shoot it. You know, that was an awkward possession for him, but it was coming off the back of an awful one in which he just races down the floor after a terrible Minnesota turnover and blows the layup, you know, tries to do too much and force that layup for, for himself. But that's two bad possessions in a game in which he goes six for 13. He takes one three-pointer. It was a three-pointer at the end of the game. He gets to the line eight times, four for eight. Dishes out 10 assists. His career high entering tonight was four assists. It's now 10. And while playing the point guard position, while being one of the only guards on this team, he had one turnover. He had a single turnover. What Diallo did on Friday night is impressive. And it was really good to see. And it should give you even more confidence in him. Because under normal circumstances, he's never going to be your starting guard again. All things considered, if all players are healthy, he's never going to be your starting point guard again. In fact, he's never even in your starting lineup if all things are considered and all things are healthy. So moving him down to the bench and having him play that same way, the way he has for the majority of this season, is going to be a great thing. And Diallo, each and every time that you say, okay, this is the night, we've changed the parameters on him so much that this is the night he falls back into those terrible habits. Each and every time you do that, this season, he has been able to not fall back into those same habits. So credit to Hamadou Diallo. Coming up, I want to talk about Al Horford and what a great night he had in the post. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Al Horford was incredible in this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Something to watch for tonight, though, is that unless SGA or Dort can return, you, you only need one of them to return, but unless one of them can return, then Al Horford has to play on the second round of back-to-back for the Thunder to have the minimum available players. But Al Horford on Friday was phenomenal. 10 for 19 from the floor, 3 for 6 from beyond the arc, including the game tying three 
from back there, three for three at the line, and he also grabs seven rebounds and dishes out eight assists. He gets three blocks and two steals on the defensive end on his way to 26 points. There is nothing more to say about Al Horford besides he was phenomenal, and he got to put on display in this different role how good he is. Now, I, I didn't find it funny, like the amount of people that were just raving about how Mark was allowing some of his big men to facilitate. That's kind of been happening all year long. Like Al Horford has initiated a lot of the offense all year long, but it was obviously more prominent, I guess, yesterday whenever they didn't have a single point guard on the roster. But nonetheless, Al Horford was awesome, and he he really put in the effort to win this game. And you know that sounds silly to say. I, I get it, but you know Al Horford could have just been going through the motions last night, and, and he could have just been looking for his stats and just you know, him hawing up and down the court. But Al Horford took the time to buy into this organization, to buy into this team, and to play at a level in which would help the Thunder win this game. And take the time, you see him communicating with the young players, uh, of teaching the young players what to do for the next time that they're in a position like this. So I just cannot get over how great Al Horford was and has been as a member of the Thunder, and you're seeing him put together these really good games now. Before, he was being a really good professional, and he was going to fly under the radar. He leaves for the birth of his kid and then comes back, and now he's putting together these incredible games on the stat sheet too, where his impact is not only felt whenever you're watching it, but his impact is now felt in the box score. Also, credit to Kenny Hustle, who got that huge rebound to set up that three for Al Horford to tie the game. Kenny Hustle is just always there. Whenever you need a big rebound, he's always there. Hustle, as a starter, went for nine points. He got three turnovers, though, and but he did get two steals back, two assists, four rebounds in this game. Darius Baisley was really good uh, defensively and was really good getting rebounds and ending defensive possessions for the Thunder. But offensively, you'd still love for him to do more than four for 14, one for six, but you have to consider the circumstances of He's one of the two guys. I mean, Al Horford and Darius Baisley have the two guys in this group here, these eight players, that you're really looking to you know, stop, that you're really looking to counter. And Baisley will, will eventually get better offensively the more that he's put in these spots. I think that playing that small forward position offensively is better for him. You know, getting able to Being able to have the ball in his hands more is better for him. But 12 for 10 is not that bad. You know, 12 points, 10 rebounds, just the percentages will eventually go up. I think that Darius Baisley is a more efficient player than what you saw or have seen so far this year, and I cannot wait for that to start revealing itself more so in the stat sheet. But Darius Miller was awesome. He has 13 minutes played in this one. Remember, he's coming back from that torn Achilles, so they're just trying to get him back in NBA shape. But in those 13 minutes, Darius Miller goes 3 for 5, from beyond the arc, nine points. He gets a great steal, goes two assists, two rebounds. I love what we saw from Darius Miller, and I think that with more minutes as he's getting more into NBA game shape, you're going to see the kind of value he has. You're going to see what he can turn into. I like his shooting ability. I like his defensive awareness. I I am intrigued by Darius Miller moving forward. Now, he's already 30 years old, so you know, is he a piece for the Thunder? No, but I, I think that, you know, come March, if he gets more minutes like this, you could see teams really value that spacing he can provide for, for people. 
Now, you know, not not going to break the bank to to trade for Darius Miller, and I'm not sure if anyone would want to trade for Darius Miller, but he can provide some much needed spacing on playoff teams and be a really good playoff player as a spark plug off the bench to go in and just spark in three threes and get you kind of back into a game or help you maintain a lead in the game. He can do a lot of things for a contending team that I think that maybe it would be worth a second round pick or or two second round picks. He's owed seven million dollars. I mean that that is a steal uh, for the kind of player that Darius Miller can be. I'm interested to, to continue to see him get minutes and, and continue to see him get opportunity in the NBA for the Oklahoma City Thunder moving forward in this season. But Isaiah Roby playing that more natural four position was really good for him. He goes five for 10 from the floor, one for four from beyond the arc, including that step back three was the one that he made, which was amazing to watch him just dance around. And he said that he was excited that the three went down and that he was you know, pleased about the step back, but he was just glad to see one go in because he hadn't made a three. So he's just glad to see one of them drop on that step back. But it was awesome. He got seven rebounds, three assists, and three steals, including three blocks playing that four spot. He did have the five turnovers. This is a weird game. I'm not going to count any turnovers against Oklahoma City, and they only had 17 as a team. But I just cannot, I just cannot scream about turnovers in a game that had this kind of circumstance. But Roby poured in 11 points. And you saw him be able to be more athletic and be able to be more himself playing on the perimeter, both offensively and defensively. He's a really good defender whenever he's not having to defend Jokic. Like whenever he's not having to defend these big men in the NBA, he's really good at closing out. He's really good at contesting shots. He's really good at defending the perimeter. I was really happy to see Isaiah Roby thrive in that role that we all knew he would. We all knew that if he was not playing that backup five, he would look like a better all-around player. And his defense really improved in this one against Minnesota. Anthony Edwards from Minnesota only had nine points in this one. Nas Reed was dominant in this game. Uh, Michael Beasley was awesome in this game. But D'Angelo Russell hit the game winner at uh, you know the three-point line with 2.9 seconds left, which is, again, going back to coaching and culture. Mark Dagnott's timeout play, out of timeout play to get the three for Diallo, was a much better play in of itself, even as it looked awkward. And you know, it looked awkward, but if you go back and watch it, it was a much better play than what Saunders put out there. I mean, the the, the Timberwolves, I always want to call them the twins because there's a T, but the Timberwolves, their play for D'Lo to try to win that game was okay, throw D'Lo the ball at the top of the key. Just have someone run behind the defender as kind of a ghost screen, and then D'Lo just pop a three and see what happens. If that three does not fall, there are some serious conversations about how terrible of a decision that was by Coach Saunders. I mean, just this team for the Thunder is so well coached, and they have such a great culture. But it's another game in which you had the coaching edge. You had the coaching edge Wednesday. You had the coaching edge today. You've had the coaching edge in other games. And it just really confirms to me that the Thunder have found their coach of the future, and the Thunder have found their best coach in franchise history I mean, since moving to Oklahoma City. It's only been four, and those four are a particularly low bar to clear, but still, it's true. I've been so pleased watching a Mark Daynott coach team, and as I've always said, when you get players in his system that are built for his system and built better than the roster right now, this offense is going to take off. It is. And clearly he has that buy-in factor. Clearly there's something about him that players want to buy into and play for. So that only bodes well for the future 
of this organization. We're going to come back and wrap it up with the MVP of the game, the money ball of the game, and so much more. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. It's now time to name the MVP of this game. right now. You the real MVP. The MVP of this game is Hamadou Diallo. We've talked all about him in that first segment. I was just so pleased with the effort and the and the patience that he showed. Again, two bad possessions at the end of the game. But two possessions is not a game make. I mean, he played really well for 95, 97% of this game. Had some bad possessions. It's going to happen, especially given the circumstances. That was his first game in the clutch, folks. I mean, I mean, Diallo's not the guy that's out there whenever those moments happen. So that's an experience he'll have to take with him and learn from and build from. I'm not going to crucify him for his first ever clutch opportunity that didn't go his way. A lot of superstars have had clutch opportunities not go their way. And you still think that they're good players. Diallo was a good player all season long. He was a good player in this game. He got unlucky. If that shot simply falls, if that three-point shot that he hesitated on simply falls, you forget all about the atrocious layup, and it's not brought up, and you still think that Diallo played a hell of a game. Don't play the results, right? Don't, don't play the result of one play. Look at the body of work. Grade everything the same way, especially for a player who has never been in that spot before in his entire career. In fact, I'm not sure how much he was in that spot at Kentucky. I mean, Diallo deserves a ton of praise in this one. The better the day outcome, I had the Thunder on a pick'em. Obviously, did not pan out. The Thunder lost. And then the money ball outcome, which is who leads the team in three-pointers made, I picked Mike Muscala. But in this game, the Thunder were led in three-pointers by Al Horford and Mike Muscala and Darius Miller, who all poured in three threes. So if you picked Mike Muscala like I did, or you picked Miller, or you picked Horford, you have won today's money ball of the game for tonight's game on Saturday. My money ball pick is going to be Darius Miller and my bet of the game is not out yet. I'll put that on Twitter because there's no line out yet from our good friends over at betonline.ag. As I'm recording this podcast, go to betonline.ag and use promo code locked on, get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When the Saturday game is over, we're going to be back for the post game podcast for Sunday. And then on Monday, we're back to our regularly scheduled program of Monday through Friday. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcast from. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.